few of you shortly just to share, but uh, while you think about that, let me just uh, open our time by just saying that Cornerstone is a ministry of Lighthouse, Lighthouse Bible Church. It's really an extension or an expansion of the ministry of word and prayer that we have on Sundays. And it's really meant to fill you up with God's word before you head back into your workplaces, into the things that you do on a week-to-week basis. And part of our Cornerstone curriculum coincides with our premarital curriculum. But we do invite the entire church because the truths and the topics that are covered in these Cornerstone curriculums are beneficial to everyone and not just those who are preparing for marriage. Um, Also, in the age of COVID-19 and um, social distancing, the other purpose is for us to have more opportunities to interact with each other. Um, So I like to begin on the way that we uh, typically do, just by asking a few of you guys to share um, one thing that the Lord is doing in your life right now. So essentially one thing to be thankful for, and also one way that we can be praying for you. So let me see, who can I pick on today? I see Paul Padilla. Hey, Paul, how's it going? You are lucky sharer number one. So if uh, I can ask you to share one thing that the Lord is doing in your life that we can be thankful for, um, and also one thing to pray for you for, that would be great. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think... uh... I, one thing that I've been uh, trying to do, uh, especially these past few past few months, uh, is stay connected with my small group. Um, I know that, of course, we have the usually Wednesdays uh, we meet, um, and I'm able to see some of the guys in my group. But just knowing that right now I'm physically away from the Bay Area, so I don't have uh, the opportunity to you know, maybe be um, indoors or outdoors on Sundays. Um, it kind of feels like I'm just that much, that much more sort of distanced or perhaps removed. So to maybe, uh, you know, maybe address that, I've been trying to make more of an effort to reach out, um, have some one-on-one calls with some guys in my group, uh, share some of the things that I've been reading, um, share some of the uh, requests uh, to keep myself and others in prayer for. Um, It has been really good. Um, One, not only to just sort of have a little bit of that social aspect and to see someone, um, you know, face-to-face virtually, but also to be able to have a little bit more um, of those meaningful connections, uh, times to be uh, a little bit more reflective and open sharing with others. Um, So that's been uh, really nice uh, to be able to have that opportunity in the past few weeks or so. Um, uh, keep uh, myself and my family in prayer. Um, we recently uh, concluded our uh, ongoing study through Matthew. Um, we we usually take some time every Sunday evening, uh, at least like an hour, you know, an hour and a half to read through and discuss. Um, some of the things um, that the passages are are speaking to us and how they can apply um, to our lives. Uh, you know, what my sister and I are going through in our work weeks and things like that. Um, uh, keep, uh, you know, perhaps keep us in prayer that um, these times will continue to be fruitful for myself and my family. Um, despite, 
uh, so many things kind of going going on in the, wor in the world, we still have um, God's word to stay rooted in. So it has been a blessing. Um, keep us in prayer that that will continue. Will do. Thank you for sharing, Paul. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Who else have I got here? Uh, Heather. Heather, I see you. So um, if you can share with us one thing, one praise to the Lord, and also one thing that we can be praying for. Okay. Um, I think, uh, so I've been, ever since the pandemic started, I uh, have been part of this accountable group through, through uh, Facebook calls and it's a weekly thing and we share our prayers and how we can keep each other accountable with some sisters. And I've been really grateful for that um, just because it's been a time for me to um, really practice to pray for my sisters and also um, to be vulnerable with these sisters and to share um, how I've been doing and to rejoice with one another of how God has been growing each and every one of us. Um, one praise is that uh one consistent thing that I've been asking for prayer is just my relationship with my parents to uh, continue to grow in um, honoring them and to love them. And um, uh, for this past year, just reflecting on that, I've uh, been seeing that God has been really working in my heart to um, practice of um, just loving my mom, especially in the topics that she we would have and to respond with grace and with gentleness. And that's something that I've been really working on. And um, it's, just a, it's just a joy to see that God has been working in my heart for that. And um, yeah, and just to be able to, uh, uh, to continue to have the heart to pray for my, for my family members, um, to pray for their salvation and, um, yeah, and so I think for prayer requests, um, it could just be uh, to continue to um, to apply uh, as a, to continue to have the heart to pray for my for my family and uh, to uh, not lose hope, but and also um, to continue to reflect on the scripture. So I'm re I'm actually memorizing through First Peter right now, and um, this has been a good chapter. The first chapter is good for me to. Uh, to reflect on, uh, so that that could be another prayer request that as I continue um, memorize through First Peter, to uh, just to continue to depend on um, to, to depend on Christ in all of my trials. Yeah. Great, thank you, Heather, for sharing with us. Uh, let's see, who else do we got here? Michael Fong, I see you on my screen, so um, maybe we can have you share next. Uh, sure. Um, I think, uh, hmm. I think a praise, um, uh, just working, um, uh, been able to, um, work at my current work, uh, for the last few months, um, been, um able to be successful with that um uh so far getting along with with most of my coworkers. um i think something that you can be praying for is um uh just with uh my supervisor and uh one of my coworkers. they're having some kind of um disagreements and and uh some um 
uh, I guess, workplace drama where um, my coworker isn't um, getting along well with my supervisor and has complained to his boss. So there's a whole investigation going on. Um, but uh, I've been able to um, talk with my supervisor about God and, and um, um, I guess he grew up Catholic and I've been able to talk with him about the, um, you know, God's word and, and what it says. And, and uh, I gave him a uh, MacArthur study Bible um, to help him. So I guess he can be praying for um, just those things. So, Thanks for sharing, Michael. Praise God that, um, you know, he placed you in the place that you are to be a light for them. All right. So maybe one more, um, since this is um, premarital curriculum, we, I should call on someone who's going through this as well. So uh, Willie and Lucy, I see you guys can't hide. Um, so uh, maybe you guys can share um, one thing that the Lord is doing in your lives and how we can be praying for you. What's up? Uh, my name is Willie, and uh, something that the Lord's been uh, growing me in is pruning. A lot of things that the Lord is pruning me in. Uh, used to be pretty big into video games, and uh, I'm grateful that the Lord has been pruning that away. And um, let's see, where's some other things? The Lord's also been really convicting me of sleep and making sure that I get enough sleep. So. Um, not staying up late to the best of my ability. Um, and I think the second question was about prayer request. Definitely, if you guys can keep me in prayer. Um, during the wedding planning, there's a lot of logistical aspects. And I think for myself, there can be a like tendency for, for me to just figure out and do a bunch of research to figure out the best prices and to get the best deals and to make sure everything looks pretty, you know, especially especially for Lucy and uh, but really just centering on Christ first and making him the center of the wedding and yeah just asking the Lord for strength through it before I even approach the logistical aspects so if you guys can just pray that I lean on the Lord during this time that'd be great all right thank you um well, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Um, I can go ahead and pray for um, those who shared, but also to uh, open up our time before I hand it off to Mark. So if you guys uh, would bow your heads with me, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for all the ways that you are working in each of our lives. And sometimes when we're not interacting with each other as much or as frequently, or the times that we, are, we do are fewer and far between, um, we can lose sight of the good work that you're doing uh, in one another's lives. So we thank you for the opportunity to hear these things, to hear some of the challenges, but also to hear some of the ways that you're growing each of us, Lord, that even in a time where uh, church isn't normal per se, um, you are still at work and you are still at work in mighty ways. So we thank you and we praise you for that. We want to lift up these precious saints that have uh, shared today, Lord. We pray for Paul, uh, even though it has been a time where he has not been able to be, be physically present with the rest of the church family. Lord, I thank you for just the opportunities that you've given him with uh, the guys that he's able to uh, have relationships with in the church, Lord, to have uh, phone calls and accountability there, Lord. 
these things are precious, Lord. So I just pray that these things would continue and that he would be able to uh, have that fellowship, albeit virtually, Lord, um, to have fellowship with people in the church. And we also thank you, Lord, for the ways that you're working in his family right now. And having concluded their study um, in the Gospel of Matthew, Lord, I just pray that uh, their studies would still continue and that you continue to grow him and his family members in their knowledge and their understanding of your good word, Lord. Uh, Father, I want to pray for Heather. Just thank you for the accountability and the sharing groups that she's been able to have um, recently. And I just pray um, for her relationship with her parents. And we know that it can be a difficult thing, Lord, especially when your uh, worldview is just not the same. Um, but Father, I just pray that you would use um, her time at home as an opportunity for her to be a gospel witness to her parents, Lord. And that comes in word, but it also comes in the way that she lives her life in a way that is um, true to the gospel. So I just pray that uh, as she interacts with her parents, that she would be able to do so in a Christ-like and uh, gentle manner, Lord, so that they could see the work that the gospel has done in her own life. Father, I want to pray for Michael. Just praise you for, the, for your provision in his life in providing him a job for the past few months, Lord. And we can never take that for granted. And Father, I just thank you uh, for the relationships that he has. And even though right now the relationships at work are a little bit more tenuous, Lord, particularly between his supervisor and coworker, we know that even these things can be an opportunity for the gospel to, to enter someone's life. So we pray for specifically his supervisor, whom Michael has had the opportunity to share his faith with and to, uh, to give a Bible to. And I just pray that it wouldn't stop there that there would be more conversations there, but more so that there would be a turning over um, of his supervisor's heart to your Lordship, Lord, that he would see you as a Savior and Lord. And Father, I do also want to pray for Willie and Lucy. I thank you for all the ways that you are leading them, Lord, uh, for the ways that you are working in Willie's life and also in Lucy's life. Um, I just pray for their wedding planning, um, that they would not be so focused purely on the logistics, even though those things are things that um, do need to happen. But I just pray that the, the mo most important thing, Lord, is that they remember you and they're walking with you and that their relationship is centered on you, not centered on a wedding day, Lord. So we thank you for all the ways that you're growing them through this process. We know that it can be a avenue of sanctification as well, Lord. So I just pray that you continue to do your good work in each of them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. With that, I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to Mark, and I'll let you take it from there. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Let's see if I can uh, share my screen here. And uh, Okay, we're good. Everybody can see that massive cornerstone slide. Are we good to go? Okay, and uh, that's always an excellent thing when the word of the Lord is big and we are small. So uh, anyways, you know, excited just as we continue on this 
um, theme of building our lives and our relationships on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his word. And uh, just so thankful that I get this opportunity to hang out with you guys. I wish it was in person. And let's just continue to pray that someday that will become a reality and the mass will be gone and we'll get a chance to hang out at the church together. Uh, but uh, until that time comes, we'll just rejoice that we have this time. Uh, one of the places I want to start is just by reading God's word. We're going to spend a little time in Ephesians. And just to let you guys know where we're going big picture, uh, you know, last time we got together as far as the marriage and the relationship aspect, you know, our focus obviously is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and his word. Uh, and the necessity of that in such a huge, huge way uh, for any, any, any relationship. But, um, you know, this goes, as I said this morning, really, the unofficial name of this is more than roommates. I think one of the things that's come up surprisingly, maybe not so surprisingly, okay, one of the major tragedies that comes out is when married couples make that comment. And I've had any number of my male friends share with me where their wives have said, yeah, we're just roommates. You're so busy with your work. You're so busy with ministry. You're so busy with church. You're so busy with whatever it is, A, B, C, D, and E. It's kind of like, I feel like I'm just a roommate. It's like a dagger in the heart. Uh, and I'm sure to some degree, they've heard it on TV or they've heard it elsewhere. And that one, when that one comes out, it's like, boom, it's, it's brutal. But I think one of the things that I've been blessed with over the last several years uh, at Lighthouse is, look, a number of the folks who end up becoming roommates together are experiencing almost the same challenges. And there is this choice of, do we hide in our rooms and do we just leave the dishes in the sink? And do we not talk about major issues and just kind of keep on cruising? And we get together at church and everybody's sitting together and everybody seems cool. But when we go home privately, there's one person watching, you know, Monday night football in one room and another person doing something in another room and everybody's separate and they're just functioning like roommates. Okay. And uh, it's a challenge uh, because as we come to God's word, we see that Jesus, whether it's being house roommates, whether it's being at church or whether it's being a married couple or a family, he's got a much more wonderful blueprint for us. And he's provided everything we need to get there. Okay, so with that, I'm going to ask you to have a look at Ephesians chapter 2 first, and then we'll get to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 2, um, you know, on my screen, I get a chance to see, Willie, you're there, so I'm going to get you to read Ephesians 2, okay? Let's see. Verses 1. Wow, it's quite a bit. Okay, let's do 1 through 7. Okay, one through seven. Kevin Ow, if I could get you to read verses eight through 17. All right, sounds good. Um, Ephesians 2, one through seven. And you are then in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, uh, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
For grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And starting verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you are at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create him in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Okay, thank you. Now let's jump over to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. And Kevin, I'm going to ask you again, if you wouldn't mind reading verses 22, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, 22 through 33. Got it. Uh, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's a lot there. Thank you, Kevin. Um, you know, this really picks up on where I would have loved to have gone this morning in the sermon, but I didn't have time. But as you look at the end, where the Lord is taking us in marriage, where he is taking us as far as our relationships in the church. And if there are two epistles, um, you know, I know this is a little bit marriage and family. Um, you know, there are two epistles that are just I go to on a repeated basis for the church, but also for married couples. And, you know, I know for the premaritals, I've given you an awful lot of homework. Um, things have gotten a lot more complicated, Kevin, since when we went through premarital uh, for you and Joanna. But I almost go back and forth from time to time to wanting to go through many studies for the pre premarital couples 
on Philippians and Ephesians, Philippians and Ephesians. And if you have an opportunity, and even during the first year, wherever you get a chance to squeeze that in, to do one of our studies on Philippians or Ephesians, because both of those are just essential. Philippians is about a partnership for the gospel. And Ephesians is about Christ and God providing everything we need in Christ to sustain God's vision for us in his local church. And what's so neat about Ephesians is as we get to the end, Ephesians 5, you know, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul draws this connection that everything that he's been talking about, our marriages are meant to be the gospel made visible, that there's this marriage and relationship between a man and a woman that is a mystery revealed to show the world what Christ's relationship with his church is to be like, what it's supposed to be about. There's that connection that that's drawn there. And the connection and where the Lord's bringing us is unity and holiness in Christ. So, you know, whether we're a church, whether your roommates in a house, whether you're a married couple, there's this idea of this growing unity that you get closer and closer and closer and become increasingly one and increasing holy. And that idea of increasing holy is, is not this perfection without sin, because Christ is our righteousness, but that we're increasingly devoted or set apart for one another. Okay, and ultimately that holiness is begins with the Lord, that we're set apart for Christ. We belong to him. We've been purchased by his blood. But because of that, we don't belong to the world. That was Ephesians 2. That's what we read. Okay, we've got a new master, a new Lord, and the church has a new husband. Okay, now I'm going to, you know, as you can see in the screen, we have Ephesians, sort of a summary of Ephesians 5, 21 and 26. Our calling, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church or loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. And clearly, this image is more than, quote unquote, the world's view of what a roommate is. It's this idea of this unity, this incredible unity that is bound by love, that is filled with holiness and filled with goodness and filled with God's truth and grace, a fountain of living waters that just grows and grows and grows and grows. Okay. Now, what's the problem? What stands in the way? Why is that? you know, why do we get stuck? Why do we get stuck in our relationships as roommates? Why do we get stuck in our relationships in the church? Why do we get stuck, uh, you know, in marriages, family, children? Well, you know, superficially, as we work backwards, we see there's a lot of barriers that get popped up, okay? There's a, okay, let's not go any further. But the big issue as we come to the heart of things is Roman three, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, what we're learning this morning in, in Genesis and what, you know, Paul brings us through in Ephesians 2 as he talks about being dead in our trespasses and sins is what separates us is our sin. What separates us is a willful and intentional walking away from the Lord and the life he's given us. Okay. And, uh, you know, there are a couple of illustrations that I want to bring to bear uh, for you guys, when Julie and I, and of course they always come with Julie and I, so you get to see all the skeletons in our closet at the end of this, if you stay tuned with every meeting that you show up to. But um, I'm sure Julie's on a computer scratching her head and cringing at what I'm gonna lay bare. But uh, when we got married, Julie and I, I was living in this small two bedroom, one bathroom place with a shed out in the back. 
And Julie graciously and kindly, because I was going to seminary and things were close to where I lived, she left her palatial home in Cerritos and she came and she moved in with me after we got married into my, so she was slumming it with me, okay? And I was so proud, uh, you know, pride goes before a fall. I was so proud when she came over that I spent all this time beforehand trying to clean out the closets and doing all these runs back and forth, back and forth to the Salvation Army to dump all this stuff, okay, uh, in order to make room for her. I just thought, you know what? <clears throat> and here's the thing, you know, I had been single for some time, obviously, as you know, and had this full life. I also had family members, parents, and brother who would come and visit and hang out. And so there was my, my house was full. Was there bad stuff in my house? No, not really. You know, I mean, I had a pretty transparent, loving the Lord. I didn't have any skeletons in the closet to hide. There was nothing I was worried about, but there was a lot of junk. Okay. There was a lot of stuff there. There's nothing that anybody would come and say, this is sin, but I realized, wow, she needs room. So I thought, here I am. I'm the hero. So I spent all these Saturdays going and cleaning out the closets and taking all the stuff and dumping them, okay? Um, several months later, you know, and, and Julie had come with a, a group of her sisters. They came with a car full of all her stuff and they put stuff in the closet and put stuff in the different places. But several months, maybe to a year later, uh, Julie and I, you know, were struggling in our relationship. There were things that were clearly upsetting her. and you know, we had this conversation and what came out in the conversation was she expressed that there was not a lot of room in the house that it was all filled with my stuff. And it was hard for her because wherever she went, she felt she was concerned that she was taking something of mine and putting it in a place that I didn't want it to be, or that there was nowhere really to move or have space or put things in or really build a life for us. And that was a fair statement. Honestly, it was. I got it. I really understood. Okay. And it was interesting because as hard as I tried to clean out everything that I thought there was junk that was there, there was a ton more. Wasn't necessarily, okay, anything that was, that anybody would say is sin, but there was a ton of stuff there. Okay. Eventually God moved us to San Jose by his grace and we ended up having to sell that home in order to come here. And what ended up happening was is there was more cleanup that had to get done as we came. And as I cleaned up, there was a whole shed out in the back. And what I discovered was there was a shed filled with not only my junk, but also my parents' junk, but also all these things that my older brother had left at our home. And so I was out there busting my back killing myself, trying to get rid of all of this stuff so that we could move to San Jose together. And God was so gracious when he brought us to San Jose and to lighthouses, he really in many ways freed us up and brought the opportunity to clean out all that stuff and have a fresh start where Julie and I had a chance, clean slate to start all, not quite from scratch. There's still more junk that I had to get rid of. There's, uh, you know, a whole bunch of, of terrible pants and terrible shirts and other things that need to go, okay? But I think you guys get the, what the illustration is, right? Is, look, 
you know, when we get together, whether it's roommates or married couples, I think we're unaware of how much baggage we bring into a relationship. We bring a lot and we think, hey, we've cleaned up in Christ. There's nothing that's terribly wrong here. These are good things. But as time goes on, as he brings other people into our lives, there's the realization that, you know, over time, our lives have really been filled up with a lot of stuff. Some of that stuff comes from our families. Some of that stuff comes from our work. Some of that stuff comes from our past churches or our friendships. And if there's really going to be room for a relationship, there's a lot of things that have to go. If those things don't go, okay, those people in our lives, there's no place for that relationship to grow. Okay. Now, I want to make this point with you that as we come to Ephesians and Philippians and John chapter 15, one of the points that's being made is that this starts first with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, what we do is we bring a ton of garbage into our relationship with Christ. And he graciously loves us and covers us with his blood. And he brings us into his family. But just because he does that doesn't mean he likes everything in our lives. And as he looks in our lives, there's a ton of stuff over time that he sees it needs to go if our lives are going to be filled with him. And we have a choice to make. Are our lives going to be filled with him or is it going to be filled with our work? Is it going to be filled with our careers? Is it going to be filled with our hobbies? Is it going to be filled with all of these other things? And as many of the men in the church will tell you, as they've grown in the Lord and grown in service for the Lord, they have to make a choice. Am I going to follow Christ? And is my life going to be filled with his good things, including just simply reading the Bible in the morning? Or is it going to be filled with all this other stuff? Something's got to go. Okay. And here's the conundrum. How do we become, how do two sinners become one in Christ? Okay. Because that's really what we're talking about. How do two sinners become one in Christ? And I'm going to tell you up front, it's impossible on our own. We cannot do it. And the truth is, is when you get two sinners and you put them together, it's great when you're dating once a week because you get to go home and you get to hide. And all the ugly stuff or whatever, you're having a bad day. It's like, huh, you know, I'm hot, sweaty, and ugly. No thanks. You know, you get to cover up on all of those things. Julie will tell you this classic story where she drove over from Cerritos to bring me ice cream and I was jamming to get a paper done, right? And seminary was this big bear. And she came over and she took one look at me and she thought, oh, I thought he'd be happy to see me. And he's just waiting for me to be gone, right? And, uh, I think some of that were facial cues. As you know, I'm a pretty serious looking guy, so I never look particularly happy. And the Lord's doing a work on that aspect. And I was very happy to have the ice cream. But I was also jamming. I was trying to get this paper done. And I was like, I'm happy she's here. This is a sweet break. But as soon as she's gone, I got to get back and I got to hit it. Okay. Well, we eventually had to deal with the fact that seminary was a problem in our marriage and relationship. And that Christ needed to come first and Julie needed to come above and beyond anything else in my life. But how does that happen? Okay. And where's the rub? Well, on the slide, I want to show you here where, where we are, all of us, okay, even after we get saved, I think we're unaware of how much junk we have in the shed. And we've got a kingdom and we've got sin. Those are our lives, if we're honest, okay, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in that kingdom that we have, because it's, it's king me, right? At the end of the day, 
even we go to church once a week, we come home, we decide what we want to watch on TV, we decide what's in our room, we decide what we put in the microwave, okay? You get a bunch of roommates, you know, maybe you're jockeying a little bit for microwave time, okay? But when you get married 24-7, whoa, there's a little less room. What do we do? And what you discover is, well, my kingdom's actually a bit bigger than I thought it was. And my preferences and my expectation, they're a little bit bigger than I thought. And in our kingdom, we have my image and my rule. Those are our expectations, the way we like things to be. And, you know, we're not that honest. Most of all, I'm a giving person. I'm a kind person. The truth is, is our expectations are based on us. They're a reflection on what we like, our preferences, what's important to us and what's not. And even for those of you who are doing wedding planning, what you discover when you come in and do the wedding planning is, is well, my image and my rule looks different from her image and her rule. And my vision of what I thought this wedding was going to be like looks a little bit different than hers. And you get together in church for a worship service, or you get together for different activities in the church, and those things start to clash. And we either clash or we avoid one another, right? And what we start to see is, in my kingdom, I have my goals and I have my roles. You know, and so one of the ways that people cope with things in marriage or in roommates is you stay in your lane, I'll stay in my lane. Okay, in, in elders and leadership in the church, okay? We have this opportunity, Ted, Peter, and I, we can basically divide it up and say, you stay in your lane and the other person stays in their lane. We never get in each other's lanes and that's how we're gonna survive for the rest of our life, right? My love and my glory. At the end of the day, I think if we're honest with ourselves, this is why we rub one another the wrong way. And in fact, a lot of the conflicts that come that exist in friendships, but get highlighted in marriage is, you know, two people, they love in different ways. And now this is not about love language, okay? I'm not saying there's two different love languages. I'm just saying, you know, when it comes to love and expressing love and what people define and how they define love, they're very, very different. And many times those are based on our families, what our families esteemed, right? You know, in, in some families, the dad loves his family by buying them a car and, and getting them things. You know, in, in other families, there's people who show love by spending time together and all the time they do, they spend together, okay? So how do we have unity when we have these things? And what ends up happening is, is couples, individuals, they get really hurt. Yeah, but I got up and I cleaned the dishes and I did this, that, and the other thing. And he didn't say a word to me. Or, man, I sacrificed and took a whole day off of work and took her on vacation, this, that, and the other thing. And all she wanted to do was talk the whole time. Okay? So you have these things. And when we push that back, really what we're talking about is a heart that is committed to our kingdom rather than the Lord's kingdom. And where is the Lord taking us in Ephesians? He's taking us, whether we're married or single, he's taking us to his kingdom, where he's the husband, he's the king, and he's the Lord, where it's his image and his rule. That's what he's doing. He's molding us into his image. He's removing sin from our life, and he's making us more like him. And he's giving us his goals and his rules, because his goals and his rules are good, and ours are not. And our lives are increasingly, as we walk with Christ, filled with his love and his glory. I mean, that's the beautiful picture that's there. And that's Ephesians 2. And that's Ephesians 5. Okay? But here's the rub. We've got to deal with sin. 
And we've got to deal with, as we push that further, really a love of self and a love of our kingdom. How do we do that? Well, we've got Christ in the center. It doesn't happen without Christ. It doesn't happen without his word and his cross. It doesn't happen without repentance and faith. And it doesn't happen without us growing in Christ. And here's the rub, okay? The rub here is, it's not going to happen unless we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Christ. In other words, we have to die. We have to die. Things have to go. We have to be crucified with Christ, and we have to have a new life that is filled with him, not with us. If that doesn't happen, I don't care how much you think you share in common. I don't care how much chemistry you have. I don't care how good and good-natured you think you are. Sin will always tear us apart, okay? And so that's why we're looking at Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me, okay? We need to die with Christ. And dying to ourselves is painful. And it only happens because we can't do it ourselves the only way that happens is when Christ comes into our lives and he becomes big, he shines the light, he exposes the sin in our lives, he lets us know there are things that need to go, and he painfully prunes us. And it's painful. What it's painful to, it's really it's painful to our pride. We're not as nice and good as, and as unselfish as we thought we were, okay? And so typically what happens with roommates and married couples is that first year that they get together, there's a little bit of butting of heads, there's disagreements, there's hurts, and they have two choices. They can run and hide in their rooms, okay, or they can lash out and fight for dominance, okay? Those are the two ways that things go. And, or you know, they can be like a married couple where they spend the next 20 years just stepping over or staying in their lanes, or they get similar idols together. They like golf, they like basketball. I remember one lady who I worked with telling me how, uh, you know, the Lakers really saved her marriage. She and her husband were butting heads until the Lakers and Magic Johnson made it into the playoffs and it gave them something to cheer and it really came at a hard time in their marriage, okay? So Magic Johnson and the Lakers were the savior of that marriage for a period of time. But as couples have come to Julie and I, and as roommates have come to us and they just share their struggles, we try and encourage them not to give up because the best is yet to come. And we try and encourage them what you really need is you need to grow in Christ. That's what the Lord is graciously doing. He's making your life hard. He's making it difficult. He's breaking really your pride, not your heart. And he's doing it so that you see you really need more of him. Because only Christ can give us the truth and grace we need not only to deal with our sin. We can't even deal with our sin. How about dealing with somebody else's sin? Where does that come from? We don't have it. But Christ does. And the sweetness about Ephesians is the Lord shows us, and Philippians, is the Lord shows us everything that we need we have in Christ. That doesn't mean it's easy. And so that exhortation of, look, pray, look to Christ, pursue him. Because he's growing you up and he's changing you and he wants to use this roommate situation, this church situation, this marriage situation. He's got something more in mind than just a great Instagram wedding. He's molding you into his image and he's removing sin from your life to make you more like him. Don't waste that opportunity. Wait for him. And if you wait for him, there was this uh, 
elder and his wife at Grace Community Church. The husband had come out of a family of alcoholics and the Lord saved him and, and just blessed him, made him an elder at Grace Community Church. And I say that not because of the office, but it was just a lovely man. I mean, and, and his wife was just lovely. And she used to come around all the time to Julie and I, and she always used to say, marriage gets better and better. You'll see. And now she was talking about a Christian marriage because she had seen that and what the Lord had done in their own marriage. And each year for them was just sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Why was that? It wasn't because, you know, they were anything special. It's because they were growing in Christ. And because they were growing in Christ, his truth and grace and his beauty was becoming more radiant in their lives. And as, you know, Jesus says, okay, he himself is our peace, you know, Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's Christ who really draws two people together and he's able to do it by removing sin and making us more like him. Okay. So look, here's, here's the bottom line of where I'm going to go with this. You're either growing in Christ or you're dying on the vine. There's no two ways. You're either getting closer in this life to Jesus or you're walking further away. There's no middle ground. I mean, we say we're middle ground, but usually people who are stuck are not doing well. And it's no surprise that the same is true in a marriage and the same is true in a friendship or a relationship. You're either growing in Christ or you're growing further apart. That's it. There's no in between. And I've seen that by God's grace. I'm now, you know, 53. I've had friends who God has given me Christian friends for, for most of my life you know, for over 40 years. And, and the thing that I've seen is those relationships, they either mature and they mature in Christ or you grow further and further apart. That's it. And most people will tell you in marriages and, and it's, it's, it's true, okay? And this of course is experiential. God's word comes first, but you know, couples either grow together or they grow apart. And the question is, are you gonna grow together in Christ or are you just gonna grow apart? You know, you're going to have a golf hobby and that's what puts you together or a basketball team you cheer for. And that's what keeps your marriage together. Or are you really going to grow in Christ? And so what's essential for every relate, and this is true in the church as well. People grow together in Christ. And as they grow in Christ, he sanctifies them. He bonds them. We hurt one another and we sin and then we come and say, look, forgive me. And we go to Christ, we repent and we go to a brother and sister and say, look, I blew it. And we go to Ephesians 4 and we're eager for unity and humility and gentleness. And we look at Christ and we say, Christ wrote the paycheck. This is covered. And we pursue one another and we grow even closer. And you'll see, even with your friends, after there's been sin and you ask for forgiveness, and there's been conflict and the Lord has brought people together and they've repented of their sin and they've reconciled biblically. Those relationships are even tighter than they were before. Why? Because God used those rubs and those disagreements to expose sin that had been in our life for a long time. The metaphorical shed in the backyard, okay, where he's come in and said, hey, there's a shed in the backyard and it's filled with garbage. And those episodes allow Christ to come in and remove the shed and remove the garbage and free you up to be close to Christ and close to one another. 
Now, how does that work? What are the resources that God's given us? Well, Ephesians makes that point. Look, it starts with Christ, but it builds with his word. Okay. If we're not growing in his word and we're not growing in prayer and we're not growing in that relationship with Christ, that's not going to happen. But when you get to Ephesians 4 and 5, the Lord shows us the provision he's given is the local church leadership, godly men who are equipped with the gospel and the grace of God, who speak the truth into your life, who shepherd you, who come in Ephesians 4 and correct and equip you for ministry. Well, that ministry is to one another. And so if we walk away from the church, we walk away from godly peers, we walk away from his word, and we walk away from his prayer, we're walking away from everything Christ has given to help us grow in unity with Christ and grow in unity with one another. Now, those things aren't a substitute for Christ. They're the tools and resources he's given. But Christ never walks apart from his word. He never walks apart from his people. He never walks apart from his family. He never walks apart from his spirit, which is tied to our relationship with him in prayer. So the big challenge I have for everyone, whether you're a member of the local church, whether you're starting a relationship or whether you're married, be not unequally yoked, okay? What does light have to do with darkness, all right? The best thing that you can do to promote unity in your local church, in your marriage, in your house, is for you to be growing in Christ. And for that to happen, brothers and sisters, you realize that there are some areas that probably each one of us needs to die in. And when we have disagreements in the local church, rather than crawling into a hole, okay, and so we hear this, and this was one of the questions that came up at the elder Q&A. One of the questions that came up in the elder Q&A is how do I encourage a brother or sister in Christ who's not doing well spiritually, who's feeling spiritually apathetic and is withdrawn, okay? Well, it's Proverbs 18.1. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out in quarrels against all sound judgment and wisdom, okay? When we withdraw or we lash out, Okay, at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're seeking our own desire. As opposed to when those hard times come and those rubs come, and it's painful for all of us. And praise God, when we get married, I've got a wife who says, Mark, are you really looking at the gospel or are you just hurt? Okay, we go to Christ and we spend time with him in word and prayer. We come to godly saints and say, hey, you know what? I'm kind of struggling. You know, one of the sweetest things for me is to be able to go to Peter and Ted at times when I've been hurt in the church and just share with them and said, you know, this thing happened. And, you know, I was just really hurt by it. And I was really discouraged the entire weekend. And there are brothers who just say, Mark, man, we understand. And you know what? Maybe you should just go and speak to that brother and just share with him that that was a little hard for you. And that, that, was, that, was, that was a struggle. That was, and they point me in the right direction to go and pursue those relationships and sit with those men and talk with them and to basically look to Christ to reconcile those relationships biblically. But also, at times, you know, I, I know Peter's done this with me. He says, Mark, is there anything that you need to repent of or is there anything in your heart that stands in the way? To see that what the Lord is doing with these rubs is he's coming into my life and this person is an instrument in the Redeemer's hand, and he's using it to grow me, to make me more like Christ, OK? 
okay? And, and one of the ways is that we can pray for one another. So thank you for listening. Um, at the end of the day, this is an exhortation for all of you to just grow and grow and grow and grow in Christ. The best thing you can do for any relationship, for any witness, whether you're living at home with your parents, whether you're roommates, whether you're pursuing marriage, you need to pursue Christ and you need to spend as much time with him as possible. And you need to enjoy your relationship with him and the means of grace he's given as you grow in him, your spouse, your roommates, and your church is going to be blessed. All right. With that, I'm going to hand it with five minutes to spare back to uh, Kevin. Great. Uh, thanks, Mark. So that um, ends our portion of uh, the teaching for today. Now, I did mention earlier that this is a, um, a time that is part of our premarital curriculum. First, so for those of you who are actually going through the premarital um application process and intend to get married and you're going through this, uh, there will be a short time afterwards. So we do invite you to stay on the line um, and there's gonna be a, a portion afterwards for that. Um, but for the rest of you, um, I will go ahead and close our time in one last word of prayer and then uh, we'll let you all go. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for the day that you've given us. Every day is a gift from you, but the days that we get to spend in your word and the days that we get to spend with your people, Lord, are always uh, the highlight, Lord. So we thank you for the opportunity that we have um, for those of us who are able to be in person with one another earlier today at service, Lord, but also for those people that we didn't get to see, but get to see here, Lord. We um, appreciate all of those opportunities, and we know that you are doing a good work. I just pray for more opportunities like this, um, but also just for the lessons that we learned today. Lord, I just pray that we remember that uh, our lives, whether we are married or not, Lord, are submitted to you, our King. And Father, I just pray that we would allow you to speak your truth, to reveal the junk and the garbage in our lives that we carry around, Lord, that we might um, cut those things off, put off the old man, and to put on the new man, Lord, so that we can walk in newness of life in the manner that you have called each of us to. So thank you for calling us to that, Lord, and would you give us your grace and give us your spirit, Lord, to help with that. We thank you again in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So the vast majority of you are dismissed, but for those of you who are going through the premarital, I uh, invite you to stay on the line for a portion afterwards.